horror fan, best friends, and ghoulish knights, and welcome to the 27th episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror, super meta slashers, dark comedies, body horror, the horror-adjacent thrillers, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Viewers, thank you for the support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this little podcast. Audio listeners, the show is also available on podcast services around the world like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so don't forget to leave a rating when you stop by. Like Greg, who wants to listen to the podcast, but doesn't listen to the podcast. We're going to get him. we'll, We'll get you, Greg. Ah, yeah. But enough of all that housekeeping. We need to continue on with this series themed around Scream. And to that end, I have the privilege of welcoming for his first Murders with Merton's appearance, Mr. Nerdaday podcast himself, Mr. Carlos Rodriguez. Carlos, how the hell are you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm so glad to be great. I know we've got. Yeah, go ahead, man. (laughs) I was going to say, we signed up for another one later down the line, but. I, I couldn't miss this opportunity when you put the, the call out. You were like, I'm doing Scream. I need people. I was like, I want to do Scream 4. Like, please. I love Scream 4 so much. So I'm, I'm glad to be doing this right now. Dude, thank you. Uh, yeah, I put that word out there and I got responses immediately. And I had to turn a couple of people down. So that was sad, but also made me very, very happy. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're on the right track. Hell yeah. People. Hell yeah. Um, yes. Tonight's topic. 2011 Scream 4, directed by Wes Craven and once again written by Kevin Williamson with uncredited touch-ups by Aaron Kruger from uh, Screen 3. Uh, this was Craven's final film before he uh, succumbed to brain cancer in uh, 2015. Carlos, what's your history with Scream 4? So I I think like many of us, right? I, I am a child of the 90s. You know, I was born in 87. So I grew up in the like just peak of the 90s, right? Like my whole consciousness is in the 90s. Having Scream in my life, it's like always been there. Like I remember seeing Scream 1 to like Showtime, like late night, whatever, Scream 3. You know, I, I like it more the second viewing or third viewing now than I did the first one. But 4, I was uber hyped for. I don't know why. I thought just I was just really excited to see Wes Craven come back um i was excited to see kevin williams come back to write and i i didn't see this in theaters but i saw it as soon as it came out it's a dvd and uh, i know we we talked pre-show like you weren't the biggest fan of it when it initially released i I was all in i was all in i mean from the the opening meta like joke like to the end i was hyped throughout the whole thing like I, i the cast is great the young stars that we get especially Kirby, which I'll gush about more as we, we progress, but best girl, Kirby, is best girl. Oh, oh my yeah. God. She's the best. She's absolutely the best. Um, yeah. Future spoilers. Can't wait to see her back in scream six. Yeah. I really jumped. I jumped so bad. Like it wasn't even the dead meat, like cameo mm-hmm. that I jumped about. I jumped because off the side, you just see that she's alive. I was like, finally justice for Kirby vindication. Um, yeah, man, I was so, so excited for it. But I, I've always been a fan of this movie, man. I've always been a fan. The only thing, I, it's so funny, I never put like two and two together. I just I was like, man, this is kind of like an ugly looking movie. And I was recently today, I was watching the Dead Meat Kill Count, the recount for it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, who put Vaseline on the camera? I was like, damn, that's a good point. That's a really good point, man. The shit's yeah. ugly. <laughs> you know, surprisingly ugly. Yeah. Um. 
it's something that I've always noticed. It's it's a really dark, kind of blurry movie. Um, Weird. It's so strange. Yes. Um, you know, when you consider how well shot the rest of the films are, um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very and, weird. And, and even other like Wes Craven movies, like when you see the other ones, like no, nothing looks quite like this. And I feel like there's a couple of movies around this time that kind of look similar. Yeah. I feel like maybe there's like a remake, like Hills Have Eyes. I feel like it's kind of like saturated in a weird way. Right. Like they try to like, Hey, look, you're really in the desert. Like it's a movie. You don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's very specific scenes where it's like, I can't tell what's happening until somebody actually steps into a little bit of light and it's just so freaking dark. Um, but yeah, maybe that had something to do with the reason I didn't care for it in my first viewing. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the right place when I was watching it. Um, that probably would have been like late 2011, maybe 2012. Yeah, that's probably when I saw it as well. Yeah, it's um, hard to say. Hard to say. I should ask my ex about this because I don't remember what her opinion was of it at the time either, but I just didn't like it. And then I came back to it. I, I don't know when exactly. Yeah, maybe within the past, you know, five, six years, something like that. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh no, this clicks. This is everything. Um, it just like you said, the, the layer after layer of meta in the beginning and uh, uh, just the, the younger cast working so well with the old cast. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, this movie fucks. Um, yeah, it really does. It's, it's surprising. Like it's surprising how good it is and how it, stays with that meta commentary for movies at the time like especially now seeing like scream five and what they did like what radio silence did with that like seeing the commentary that they had with requels like oh no it, it still touches upon the original but it is a sequel and there's a new cast like it's so smartly written and i think radio silence was a good team to continue wes's ideas and kevin's ideas like oh they're oh yeah they're the best team to continue that legacy and to move on. Like, I wasn't worried. I mean, I always loved their stuff since, like, VHS 1, where they had the, what, 1031-98 section. Like, I loved that section of that movie so much. Um, from then on, I've been fans. So, like, they can't do no wrong in my in my point of view. And when they picked this up, I was like, I was trying, I remember telling other people, like, well, Wes Craven's not doing Like, listen, they're going to kill it. Don't worry about it. And, like, they did a good job of of honing in on the commentary, which is, like, I think as a horror fan, the most important thing to do with Scream specifically is is the commentary around it. Like, yeah, listen, the the kills are fun, but there's some really good ones in four. Uh, you know, Anthony Anderson is one of my favorites. That we'll talk about it at the time. I I love that one so much. But yes. there's a lot of good ones here, and and they do the commentary of like gore and things like that. And five does that similar as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something that you know I've brought up on all of these scream episodes so far, these films, all of them are, are such, they're so good at zeroing in on, you know, social commentary and technology in the time period that the film takes mm -hmm. place. 
you know, uh, from just cell phone culture, you know, going from the sort of mid nineties through 2000, uh, into just YouTube and vloggers and stuff at the time period that this film takes place in. And, uh, you know, screen five goes on to do some of that kind of stuff as well. It's, uh, the oh god and yeah I, I couldn't agree more radio silence uh i mean how can you not love ready or not yeah. uh so and good. yeah and just everything that this new one in a couple of weeks uh just how brutal it looks in comparison but with still that same mm-hmm. kind of sense of humor that they tend to have uh um, yeah i'm down i'm down um yeah i think we need to jump into this uh oh, yeah yeah, uh, we begin with the Dimension Films logo and uh, wireless landline ringing. Yeah, those are <laughs> disappearing, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I got listen- like gray hairs when I was listening to him. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Lissy Hale, uh, she answers a call from Ghostface and assumes wrong number and just immediately hangs up. Okay. And <laughs> then she Smart. and her, yep, she and her friend slash sister, I, I, really can't tell and i don't think it really matters don't know that it matters but they plan to watch a movie and when lucy suggests saw four uh they get into a discussion about the torture porn subgenre and you know it's uh pluses and minuses there um then it's revealed the sister friend has a facebook stalker who's using photos of channing tatum so she's she's not super bright i guess uh (laughs) this is this is where the phone rings again um this time ghostface is a little bit more aggressive with the girls um i love that moment about hang up again on me i'll you know cut through your neck until i feel bone or whatever and she's just like phones for you lady yep not mine (laughs) nope not for me yep um and eventually they hang up on him and uh then he starts texting sister friend so it turns out her facebook stalker has been ghostface all along um yeah uh they go to check the front door and check if it's locked and uh, they're spooked by the doorbell and uh then they get a text message daring them to open the door I love this. I love how the text messages just come through on vibrate where, you know, the cell phones in the first few movies, you know, there was always the ringer going off. There's that great moment in scream three where the ringer goes off and everybody checks their phone because they all think it's them. Uh, which is such a great commentary on people, you know, right around 2000, everybody was just starting to have, you know, it was weird that you didn't have your own cell phone at that time. So, of course, yeah, they're going to have, you know, everyone's going to be like, oh, I want to hear what it, if I'm getting a phone call. It's important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like. yeah, about, you know, 10 years later, we were at the point where it's like, yeah, I'm just mostly going to keep my phone on silent. Yeah. I just don't care. Um, so, yeah, again, great commentary. Love it. Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, Luce, uh, you know, she doesn't find anybody on the porch. She's like, there's nobody out here. And that's when uh, the vibration of another text uh, spooks sister friend. I love how much she jumps. Yeah, um, she's just like up uh-huh. in the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the vibration is so loud. That's why I get pissed when people just put their phones on vibrate at the movies because I could still hear it. But um, yeah, uh, this is where she reads the text and it says, it says, I'm not outside. I'm right beside you. 
and Ghostface just lunges in and kind of stabs her in the side of the neck there or in the shoulder. And uh, yeah, yeah. Then another Ghostface pops up behind Lucy Hale on the porch and slashes her throat and she goes down. And there's blood everywhere. And we get the title card of Stab Six and two people watching it and somebody turning it off because they're just done with this shit. Oh, yeah, it's uh, my favorite cameos too. Yes, it's Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, and they're on the couch watching the film. Anna, she's the one who's not amused. Uh, the line about a bunch of articulate teens sit around and uh, deconstruct horror until Ghostface picks them off one by one. It's been done to death. Um, so they they just kind of go back and forth on this a little bit. Anna just not digging the genre any longer. Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, Christian just stabs her in the gut, telling her to shut the fuck up and watch the movie. I like I jumped out of my seat like when I first because that's so unlike Kristen Bell. Yeah. So like it was yeah. so fun to watch that, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, and immediately I was like, wait, are we in a movie in a movie? Because they're not going to show you the killer right off the bat. And I was like, and then the stabs. You know like, yeah. Like, Holy shit. This Title card stab seven. Yes. I love the trope of a movie within a movie within a movie. Almost as much as I love the trope of a dream within a dream within a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a ton of fun. Uh, and we finally get two new girls. <laughs> um, <laughs> who stopped stab seven because one of them just can't be bothered with this bullshit. And they bring up, um, how there was a stab movie with time travel in it. Stab was, five. Yeah. Yeah. Because stab five dealt with time travels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because apparently that was an abandoned plot point for uh nightmare on Elm street, uh, dream warriors. The studio right. did not want Wes Craven to do that. So he's like, you know what? We're at least going to talk about it. I'm going to talk uh, about it. You're not going to let me do it. I'm going I'm to get it. It won't wait yeah, for another. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, but I, I just love how dopey the stab movies eventually become. You know, future spoilers. We get video clips of Ghostface with the flamethrower. Um, That's but, stab eight, right? By that yeah, time. something like that. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, the girls discuss their town's history with the films until Jenny hears a noise upstairs and goes to check it out. Um, so she gets upstairs and she thinks she left a window open in her bedroom. Um, Carlos, uh, let me ask you, if you found your bedroom window open at night, would you just think you're enough of a ditz that you left it open or would you be a no, little Puerto bit Rican, more concerned? Man, I'm out. <laughs> doesn't matter what area of the world I am that that blood clicks in and I'm out <laughs> I'm calling the cops you are a smart, I'm hoping I don't get man. like but you I know what? I get Hicks or Dewey <laughs> you know it, it, if people were smart in horror movies we wouldn't get plot so there That's you true. go um yeah yeah she uh she thinks she just left the window open and the phone rings and Marnie goes to answer and Ghostface gets right to it this time this is the last face you're ever going to see alive. But it turns out it's just Jenny fucking with her from upstairs um, until Marnie gets fucked with downstairs. Now, I love how the line the ghost face uses on this call is the line from uh, the stab six intro that they were That's just right, watching. Yeah. Works just it to works. like click in more. Like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yes, yeah, seems the ghost face is on the prowl after all. And eventually, uh, he throws Marnie's body through a French door at Jenny after fucking with her on the phone. Uh, 
She runs upstairs screaming. He's in pursuit. She kind of dips into the shadows and for some reason goes through a door into an unfinished part of this home. I, yeah, it's so weird. Right? It's, it's weird. <laughs> and it's like, I get it. You, this may be a fairly new build and there's some stuff that's just not done. It doesn't look like that new of a build. Come on. Um, no, I know it would. <laughs> I was, I was dying. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Um but uh yeah, uh she kind of leans up to the door and that's where, you know, Ghostface just sort of pops in, stabs her in the back. She's crawling down these stairs that happen to just lead to the garage. Also <laughs> kind of weird. Um it, in fact, there's no door on it too. And I I know it's California, so I guess that makes a little bit more sense as far as climate control is concerned, if it's Northern California. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it still seems like even for fire code, you would need a door at the bottom of those stairs leading into the garage. But hey, what do I know? Um, <laughs> I haven't built it yet. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're not quite done. Uh, she hits the garage door button. It starts uh, rolling up and she's crawling for it. Uh, she's just about there when Ghostface taps the button, stopping it. She crawls some more trying to get out. He sends the door down into her back. Now, um, I know they had those sensors since 1993 that would have stopped mm -hmm. this from happening, but we're just going to need to suspend that disbelief right here. Um, not in this universe. Yeah. Not in this they universe. Work for Tatum, is that going to work for Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Crunches her back and then uh, he runs the door back up, flips her over and stabs her, finishing her off. Uh, and we finally get the real title card of scream Four, stylized with the four as the a, uh, it's, it's great. It's great. And it's kind of 3d it's and it's just, it, the evolution of the title cards through this series is interesting. Uh, they all very much feel like they are like just this is this time period. Uh, yeah. It definitely reflect like the, the, the period that they're in. Oh yeah. Um, and we're introduced to Sid and her publicist are arriving in Woodsboro, AKA Northville, Michigan. And, uh, they find, uh, ghost face costumes hung up on all the streetlights of the downtown. Uh, yeah, this was part of that, um, sort of late aughts, early 2010s, uh, film boom in Southeast Michigan. There were tons of film credits. They shot that red Dawn remake here. Um, but yeah, scream Four. uh, check out all the news media that's in this thing. They are all from the Detroit market. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was like legit at the same, around the same time, Philly, uh, where I'm from, they had something similar. So we had like transformers two and mm -hmm. a bunch of other, if it's not Shyamalan, it was like, it was, there was a bunch of different big like productions in Philly. And then I think the same thing that happened in Michigan happened. Same thing in Pennsylvania. Like both our governors were like, nah, fuck it. Yeah, we're not going to and... like, but there's money and we could get movies and like, no, fuck me then. All right, cool. Yeah, that plug got pulled uh, pretty fast. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're uh, there for uh, Sid's last stop on her book tour. Uh, Allison Bree's fucking vicious. Um, yep. I, I love she's like how she's two point oh. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I, and <laughs> maybe that's how Sid found her. I don't know, but, uh, right. but yeah, yeah. She, um, 
she's a vicious little thing, but she's also not enough of a character for you to really remember her name. I think it's Rebecca, but does it matter? I don't know. No. But uh, yeah, yeah. She mentions how she threatened to kill the bookstore owner's cat if uh, you know he didn't get the display right or something like that. One of the many like, hey, this could be a suspect. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. These films are great at that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the little red herrings and uh, you know, yeah, amazing job in these films. Um, so uh, they cut to Sheriff Riley uh, being woken up by Axel F on his cell phone uh because of so course great. of course yeah and uh, uh he gets up out of bed and gail just kind of sleepily turns over so you know they're still together after all this time uh, i love that yeah i actually did yeah i love the the sense of like they actually worked it out <laughs> you know for that time period like in in those what 11 years since scream 3 since yeah. he proposed like they actually been together this whole time and i loved it i didn't notice it until this viewing actually um he has sid's book mm-hmm. on his nightstand yep yep I mean, he, we, quotes we can... later. he quotes it very soon but like right, it's really right. nice yeah we can actually so see that part of the movie um mm-hmm. there's plenty of other stuff that's a little difficult to see but uh little vaseline yeah, yeah. 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 A, little, a little bit little bit um so yeah uh they're still together and he steps outside uh we see very clearly yes he is the sheriff of this town now and uh he seems to have worked out his limp so hey good for him yeah um there's supposed to be some kind of blurb somewhere um I don't know if it's in the film or in the promotional material or what about, you know, just years of physical therapy, finally getting them right. Yeah. I feel like a lot of stuff got cut in this movie. <laughs> like a lot of yeah, random oh, yeah, yeah. important stuff got cut. Yeah. Uh, we hear some uh, approaching music and uh, yes, we are introduced to Kirby Reed blasting by him. He's yelling at her That's to true. slow down and shit. Uh, yes, she is the best. She looks like a 40 something divorcee, but, uh, you know, that's how she's styled in this film. Don't know why. Don't know why she looks like she's, uh, you know, dressed for, you know, a showing of a new property and, uh, she's looking to get that new commission. Marvel cut like comics. She's got the leather jacket. Yup. Yeah. She's, uh, she's something. She just found her new life. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) um let's see here uh yeah she kind of mumbles some kind of apology as she drives by and uh yeah she stops to pick up her friends jill and olivia and it's revealed that jill has drama with her boyfriend trevor uh and that she's also sydney's cousin um Jill gets a call from Ghostface using Jenny's phone. And when they hang up, Olivia admits that she got a similar call from Marnie that morning. And then Kirby nearly kills them all uh, because <laughs> she almost runs a stop sign and gets plowed into by a pickup. Um, they're all a little on edge. Let's just say that much. I mean, they live in Woodsboro. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't care how long a time period it's been. What it says, sixteen years since the first experience of like Mm -hmm. Bill and Stu, like a Billy and Stu. Like, yeah, it's still weird, man. Like, even if you grow up after. Yeah, and and yeah. To be fair, the killings of the other two films didn't take place in Woodsboro, but still, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'd be a little concerned. Um, uh, but I think they make 
uh, it's either here or a, just a little bit later on. They make commentary about how this time of year at the anniversary around the time of Stabathon, people do prank calls like this all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But uh, yes, Kirby nearly kills them, yet they survive or else we wouldn't have a film. Uh, and we cut to Deputy Hicks supervising a crew, taking down the ghost face decorations from the streetlights. And she's a little sweet on Dewey, like a little over the top. A little, a, a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. Tone it down. Don't you wonder Hicks. if he had a had this crush this whole time? Because, you know. Well, I mean, she probably, she probably knew Tatum, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you know, said she knew Sydney. We'll get into yeah. that later. But uh, but yeah, um, she probably did have a little bit of a crush all these years. Um, yep. They're pulling things down. She uh, uh, well, she asks about, uh, you know, Gail and everything. He uh, reveals uh, Dewey reveals to her that uh, you know, she's writing fiction now. And uh, well, she offers him a lemon square, which he turns down. And then they get a call to get over to the Randall house right away. Uh, it's it's a real shame that we didn't get to see the carnage of them uh, arriving over there. I think there might be a deleted scene or something. I feel like yeah, I've seen it's, photos. It's like Wes Craven's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's supposed to play the coroner or something. Um, but uh, well, here's a weird future spoiler thing I'm mm. thinking about just now, right? Because I was thinking about time frame, right? So it's what twelve years later for Scream Five. Um, yeah ish and so and so hicks has the son and scream five that yeah he, he would have been, been at four, least like a toddler like five, or yeah, like, like four or five or something, something. yeah she's probably like a single mom i'm yep. assuming okay yeah so she's like oh this guy's nice i want to yeah i was thinking about it. i was like wait he's like 15 16 right they're like 16 17 in scream 5 hicks has a son he's probably like like 11 years 10 years oh wait hold on <laughs> yep man fathers never reveal but uh that's true <laughs> i mean neither for for meeks for uh randy's sister yeah yeah <laughs> uh same same um so yeah, they tear off uh, to the Randall house and we cut to Gail watching an interview of Sydney and suffering from horrible writer's block. She hasn't even begun. Um, and immediately cut from that to the girls arriving at school where they're greeted by Robbie and Charlie. Robbie with a super uncouth comment to Olivia. And um, this is where we kind of get the hook of this film. Um, you know, just kind of like YouTube and vloggers and people putting their life on the internet in general. Um, yeah, I think there was even a comment about how, you know, stab six was all about, uh, the killer stalking everybody through Facebook and, uh, and how, oh, I guess if they did it now, it would be Twitter. Uh, Kristen Bell says something like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that line. Um, so yeah, they get into the school and, you know, it's very clear that Charlie is crushing on Kirby. Kirby just enjoys toying with him and check the bust of Henry Winkler in this scene. I saw uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. You gotta I give some respect that. to the wink. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Um, and then Jill closes her locker and it's that old trope of somebody standing right behind the door when you close it and it's her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever they are to each other. Milk toast boy ever in scream. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a menacing presence, but also like 
I just don't give two shits about this person. He's, he's very like there, much, but not there. Yeah, he's <laughs> very much there to be a red herring, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, nothing else. Yeah, and eh, maybe a little bit of motive for uh, certain people later on, but uh, yeah, but that's, eh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, uh, Trevor. Yeah, he cheated on Jill or broke up with her after they had sex or something like that. And he feels really bad about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could not give two shits about this guy. Yeah. Um, and then Robbie comes along doing his what's your favorite scary movie shtick. And Trevor basically just growls at him and scares him off. <laughs> and yeah, tells so you everything you need to know about this character. Um yeah, uh, this is where Gail shows up then late to uh, Sydney's reading slash uh, signing at the bookstore. Um, they hug and suddenly Dewey's there too. And it's like, okay. Um, <laughs> and all the police force is right behind him because Hicks has tracked a missing cell phone from the crime scene to this location. Um Gail and Hicks, um, they are not friendly. Uh, 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 not at all. No, no. And uh, Dewey's like, everybody shut up. He calls <laughs> the uh, the cell phone. They hear the ringing. They head outside. It's the trunk of Sydney's rental. They pop it open. There's bloody cell phone. Scream costume or stab costume, rather. It's yeah. also confusing with the meta uh, and just blood everywhere. Awesome. So much ruined, like free copies of that book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There are a lot of copies of that book in that bookstore. Yeah, I that's true. really don't think that many people in Woodsboro want to be reminded of all this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to be read about shit that happened when yeah. I was a teenager too. Although, was it more of a memoir or more of like a self-help book? They were really unclear about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of, I basically use like both. Yeah. You know, because I, I feel like she already knows like her story's been told like a million times, right? Like, like you see Stab, Gail wrote about it. Like, she's probably like, all right, well, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a victim. Let me, let me tell you how I got out. Right, right. She had her Diane Sawyer interview with Cotton way back when. Yeah, finally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, uh, back at the high school, uh, everyone's cell phone starts going nuts because Jenny and Marnie were just discovered, uh, and they, uh, hear some vehicles racing by on the road and it's, uh, news vans. And this is where we get one of the first shots of, uh, basically every major newscaster from the Detroit market, uh, in this film, uh, they will pop up again and again. Uh, Gail is then frozen out of the investigation by deputy Hicks who feeds into Dewey's desire to be a by the book sheriff. Um, also they just, they don't like each other. Um, but, uh, yeah, one of your lemon squares tastes like ass. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they they really don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when uh, he's so fucking protective. Um, when uh, everyone like oh yeah, like such a mother yeah. head of everyone. Like don't fight everyone. Don't fight, please. I'm yeah, sorry. yes. Uh, when um she does finally get to talk to Dewey, 
Um, you know, she wants to help solve this thing, but he can't let her be involved because he's part of the official investigation, which she, there's better ways to handle that with your wife. But, um, also I understand where he's coming from, but wow, she takes that poorly. And that's where we get the, your lemon squares taste like ass line as she storms off. Um, and then officer Perkins comes in. I, I love that the character's name is Anthony Perkins. That's fucking love great. it. Uh, and he so takes, great. yeah, he takes Dewey to the interview room where Jill, Olivia and Kirby, uh, are there to talk about, uh, their phone calls from that morning. Um, and for some reason, St- Sid steps into the room as well. I, I know that yeah, you probably her in too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like Gail, you can't have anything to do with this, but Sid, because you were. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also love Kirby in this scene where she's just like, "Well, yeah. I, I didn't get a phone call. Like, am I next? Like, am I gonna die next? Like, I don't want to die. Uh-huh. Why did I get a phone call? Oh, I'm their friend, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh and this is where they basically have to tell sid that she shouldn't leave town as well um that's that's great because she wants to get the fuck out of there and i don't blame her not at all yeah i'm not the victim anymore but as well i'm not gonna be caught up in this shit again yeah i'm not about to become a victim either um Mm -hmm. yep um and then we're back outside the station. That's where Sid's publicist is uh, excited about uh, what the murders could do for book sales. And she runs into Gail and has to fangirl out and then say some shit that she's going to regret three seconds later. Um, and yeah, Gail basically tells her off and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, tells her that she's going to rearrange her face if she's not careful and then steps away saying like, yeah, still got it. I love, I love it. it. Gail is just it. such a hell beast of a woman. And I, it's, it's just perfect. <laughs> I love her so much. Yes. She's one of my absolute favorite characters in these movies. Um, yeah. So she steps off and we cut to that evening at the Robert's house, uh, you know, Jill's house, uh, where Sid is crashing. Uh, Jill's mom is, um, uh, Cindy's aunt. It's Maureen's sister. Um, and, uh, she's played by the phenomenal Mary McDonald, who, uh, I always look back super fondly on for Battlestar Galactica. Hell yeah, uh, man. She was oh, great in that. Yeah. Um, and Donnie Darko. She was pretty good in that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get too many lines in this and she's kind of a space cadet in a couple of scenes too, but, uh, yeah. I, I still love her presence in this film there. This is one of those things like you were mentioning where things are clearly cut from this story or there were rewrites or something, you know, that was part of the, the drama on this set, you know, Kevin Williamson was not happy with, uh, Aaron Kruger mm-hmm. coming back to do some touch-ups and there were like, new pages on different days and Hayden Panettiere almost quit the film because she was just so irritated with all the little changes here and there. So that's I probably know, why. Insane. Yeah. I know probably. Mary didn't make it to the, the premiere because of most of her stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. Oh yeah. I, I just, I heard that earlier today and I was like, damn, that sucks. And then like, she has this interesting line when, um, when Kirby is talking about Sydney because she's like in her presence again, she's like, Oh my god, she's so beautiful! Like, but she must have all these scars and like talking about her physical scars. Mm-hmm. And Mary has this line, 
where she's like, I also have scars. And it's like, you could tell she's talking about her relationship. Emotional scars. Yeah. yeah her with whole her thing sister. with her sister. Yeah. Yeah. Like all this. Sh- and she, I mean, who knows, like after Scream 3, if everyone knows what happened, right? Like if everyone knows that, you know, Maureen Prescott, unfortunately, got Harvey Weinstein, which is weird as shit to think about when you see who produced this movie and three. Yep. If she got Harvey Weinstein, like, does the whole world know about that? Does every, the whole world know about, like, Roman, this long-lost son, setting up Billy and Stu to, like, kill her and, like, set it up so, like, Cotton looked like he was a murderer? Like, it, if they don't, that's cool. That's whatever. And that's, I get, Mary would have her own scars of, like, Maureen just going off and randomly leaving her. And, like, that's still interesting on its own. But if she knows all this stuff, like... Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> give her lot. some more lines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, there there's as much as like I love this film, there's like so many missing. times because of Yeah. This oh yeah. 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 The, this family's seen some shit. Um yeah. so yes. Um Kirby, yeah, like we were just talking about, she's curious about Sid and Jill's mom. Um and uh, or no rather that uh the mother i think she's a little jealous in some ways of sid's notoriety um Mm -hmm. just the way that she makes that comment about how she has scars you know um but uh we just cut away from all this back to the living room where dewey's talking with sid she asks him about him and gail and he's kind of worried about what 10 years of being married to a small town man has done to her and their relationship but then he quotes an uplifting passage from Sid's book. You know, he's trying to put a positive spin on things. It's kind of his MO. Um, and yeah, you just, you kind of feel for him too. And of course, behind the scenes, this is where he and uh, uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox were uh, separating around the time of filming this film. Uh, and then, um, about a year after its release, they were finally divorced. Now everybody says they were completely friendly and professional on the set, but Which is, you know. it was crazy. Yeah. It, see, it comes off that way in the movie. Like it doesn't yeah. seem like there's any weird separation thing. Even, I mean, not really future spoilers, but when they interact in five. Yeah. Like it, well, it still does. It, it seems copacetic. Like it. it yeah. They crazy. still own a production company together. They yeah, they still work together. So, you know, clearly they, you know, they've been able to maintain as friends. It's just, it's you know, when you're, see, yeah. yeah, when you're going through that shit though, it's like, uh, having to work with that person or having to be around them is just, it's not easy. So oh, I, bet. Yeah. They, they, I mean, I have no clue. There's other couples you can see in movies and you're like, Hmm, this is weird. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's sad. <laughs> he quotes that uplifting passage. And then we cut to Jill coming out of the bathroom and she's surprised by Trevor being in her bedroom. He just wants to talk. Uh, he's concerned about her being around Sid now that the killings have started up again. Uh, but Jill just doesn't trust him after what he did. Um, you know, basically dumping her after sleeping with her and then going off and sleeping with, I think, one of the girls from the beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, I think it was supposed to be Jenny. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, she tells him to get out of there. Um, and Sid does the mom thing of knocking, but just bursting right in, just like her mm-hmm. dad did in the original yep. film. 
Um, and she sees them together and she's a little embarrassed and, uh, you know, uh, she's also struck by the similarity of Jill having a boyfriend sneaking out her window. It's, it's all coming flooding back for her. Um, and she says goodnight to Jill steps back out into the hall. And this is where we get this super creepy exchange between Hicks and Sid. And it's also that scene I was mentioning earlier where you can't see shit. Yeah. I didn't even know she's in there. Like I've seen this movie like three times, four times now mm-hmm. as of today. And like, she comes up I'm like, God damn, what the hell? But yeah, Imagine yeah. Hanging out in the dark. Oh yeah, it's creepy. And you do hear why can't I see her? Yeah, that's a problem. That that's a major problem. I and I get the you know drama of her stepping into the light and then you can see her a little bit more. Yeah, that all makes sense, but it helps be able to see her in the darkness just a little bit. Um, you know, we find out that uh Judy Hicks was the same age as Sydney. They went to high school together, they were both in Peter Pan together in drama. Um, but she wouldn't blame Sydney if she, you know, didn't remember her because Sydney was going through a lot of shit in high school. Um Yep. Yep. Uh, understood. Uh, Sydney is very kind to her though. Um, you know, not trying to pretend to remember her necessarily, but you know, just, she's, she's nice about it. Um, and yeah, she pieces out then and Sydney buggers off to her room and we, I mean, again, also great red herrings in these movies judy is creepy as fuck she is the whole time too pretty much like oh yeah she's so creepy and just the way she steps out of the shadows into that hall light um it doesn't help that she has like these piercing blue eyes so like when she's like in the light she looks like what did they equate it to the thing i watched earlier it was uh she she had this pennywise eyes (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah okay Uh, um God, yeah, I, I should look that up because that would be a fun watch. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be, uh, I, I wouldn't hate you for thinking that she was potentially the killer. Um, and then we cut to Perkins and Haas outside in their cruiser as Olivia comes home. I know they're so dumb. Um, <laughs> and Olivia calls curbs. Um, I think the idea was that Kirby was sleeping over at Jill's or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, she makes a crack about the doofus officers in their cruiser out front. She's not going to come up there because Sid's there. Uh, everybody sees Sid as some kind of like, you know, bad omen or yeah. somebody not good to be around because everybody dies around her. They keep calling her the angel of death. Um, that's super yeah, I was, nice. I- I was thinking about that more as, as I watched the movie again today. And I was like, you know, cause I, I, I watching the movies and loving this f- franchise and stuff. I became super protective. Like, hey man, fuck you. Like, don't be, don't be calling her the angel of death. Like she didn't mm-hmm. do anything, but like these kids are like 16, 17 and they weren't born or they were just born as the Woodsboro stuff is going on. Of course. Like they don't, they, all they know is like anytime this woman's around, like death follows yep. her. So like, that weird like mystique and like well, that and they just know the fucking yeah. stab movies you know exactly that, yeah that, right? like, that's it, probably it informed it. them more on uh sydney's life than you know any small town gossip um, yeah almost like she's the problem instead of like everything right shit just happens to her 
Yeah. Uh, so Jill decides to uh, fuck with Olivia using an awful ghost face impression. Uh, and while she's doing this, um, Trevor calls, but it's not Trevor. So both girls are on their phones. Um, Stabathon is brought up for the first time in this film somewhere around here, how that's a thing. Um, so when Kirby pushes uh, the caller to ask his famous question, he instead asks, how's the movie? And she's like, what movie? And he's like, Shaun of the Dead. How do you know we're watching Shaun of the Dead? Because I'm standing in the closet and I can see what you're watching, motherfucker. <laughs> it's great. Great line. It's so, yeah. So creepy. Oh. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of creepy, um, you know, we got the neighbor girl across the street, you know, getting changed throughout all of this. I mean, that was very intentional, I'm sure. But, um, so yeah, they're like going to call Ghostface's bluff. Uh, Kirby throws open the closet doors only to reveal that, uh, he's not in Jill's closet. No. No, he's across the street in Olivia's closet. Uh, and he promptly pops out and stabs her, throws her around the room, and eventually throws her through the window. Um, but not throwing her out. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's much worse than yeah. that. Um, this this is gory as fuck for a Scream film. Um, yeah, it is. But, uh, yeah, Sid runs across the street. You know, she was standing there with Jill and Kirby watching all this happen through their window. Um, and, uh, she runs over there, but she's too late. The phone rings. Sydney picks it up in this bloody gore filled room that looks like a fucking slaughterhouse. And we get welcome home, Sydney, a preview of coming events. And, uh, that's where Jill comes running in and Sydney's like, don't go in there. And yeah, it's. Kind of her super gory. Yeah. It, it's, oh, there's it's intestines surprising. everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a lot. Uh, this is where Ghostface attacks and he slices Jill's arm. Um, and Sid and Ghostface kind of fight their way down the stairs. Um, cops show up way too late. Uh, and when Sid turns around again, Ghostface is gone. And uh, Jill does not want to talk at this moment. She gives her a good solid don't. And then Trevor comes barreling into the crime scene. Uh, again, great red herring, little else, but he goes intense to Jill. And this is where the awful fucking neighbors start throwing uh, disparaging comments yeah. at Sid. Like what the fuck y'all? Uh, just because we're there, like you just, just like, like your mother. What, what the hell? That was unnecessary. That was the one that was unnecessary. Like, yes, yeah, it in, in a way, but hey, hey, hey leave yeah, Marine yeah, out. Like, yeah, not the same. Okay, Marine did not kill anybody. I am so sorry, but no, no she had an affair. Jesus, god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, um, and Jill at this moment apologizes for what. Uh, she said to Sydney and they hop into an ambulance to go get checked out at the hospital. Then he uh, just takes it in stride too. She's like, yeah, no, it's fine. Like she's like almost used to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think she kind of is. Um, yeah. She's, she's been through a lot of shit. Um, and uh, Haas and Perkins are apologizing to Dewey for letting uh, Ghostface give them the slip because they were chasing a suspect around the house. And that's why they weren't in their cruiser at the time. Um, 
he you know tells him to get out of there and uh gail uh outside of the hospital runs into robbie and charlie uh and they're doing their hall pass shtick and uh, you know when she finds out that he's live streaming even then as she's talking to them you know she first nicely asks if he can turn it off so that um you know they can have a little old-fashioned off the record when he refuses she, she gives him a turn that fucking thing off that's so goddamn hard uh, i love it yep yeah, I love Gail. She's the best. And I, oh God, I hope she makes it through this new one. I know. Um, Ooh, so scary. I know. Um, so she asks for their help. And in return, she'll swing by the Woodsboro High Cinema Club. When that's not enough, Charlie asks for her to bring Sydney with her. Um, that's got to sting a little bit yeah. for Gail. Love just love. a little. Yeah. Um, so Sid's getting cleared by the doctor and in the credits, the doctor's listed with uh, the same last name as Steve, uh, the very first kill of the first film. Um, that's right. Yeah. I don't know if there's any relation there, but that's a fun little Easter egg. Um, but yeah, she gets cleared by the doc and she's ambushed by her publicist out there in the hallway, uh, telling her that random house, uh, they want to lock her into a new book deal and she can basically name her price, but she's really gross about it all. And Sydney basically fucking fires her. Um, good for Sydney. Um, I appreciate that she has some kind of self-respect. Um, yep. After, even after all these years. Yeah. Yeah. So the publicist heads to her car in the parking garage, muttering to herself the whole fucking way, uh, talking about uh, how oh, she's Sydney's going to call me in the morning. This is too good to you know leave on the table. Um, so she gets a call from Ghostface as she's walking to her car, and you know she eventually hangs up on him. And as she hops into, she's like accidentally setting off the alarm and all this shit, and. Um, She's not having a good time of it. She's um, uh, kind of like fumbling with her keys in the car and the phone rings and she drops it and she lets out this funny little no. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's very subtle, but it's really good. Um, And uh, she tries to start up the car and that's not happening. And next thing you know, Ghostface is on the hood and she's screaming for her life. Uh, there's another car that's screeching through a parking garage. You know, it's that old thing of, you know, how cars, as they drive around in a parking garage, how, whatever the coating is on the pavement in those things, it it always screeches like crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But she's screaming for help. And then when the car clearly can't hear her, she, uh, you know, turns around and goes, face is gone. Uh, yeah, that's where she stupidly gets out of the car and starts looking around you, you know, maybe just try again to see if the car will start. Yeah. You, know? you have your cell phone. Just call. Yes. Exactly. It's not like you can't get to 911 and your doors were already locked. Just try. But no, she gets out. She starts poking around. And as she steps away from her car, its alarm goes off again. And she just books it for the doorway for the stairwell. And for some reason, she breaks the handle off in her hand. 
I don't know, like, how crazy strong is she? Yeah, or I don't even necessarily buy the ghost face had that all rigged so that it would be locked and it would break apart. That That's like a happy seems, accident. Yeah, I think so, because she turns around and that's ghost face rushing her with a knife in the gut. Um, and down below, Dewey is hol- holding a press conference uh, right in front of the hospital. Um, and yeah, yeah, he he's doing his ever loving best here to be a professional to tell people they got to chill they've got this just got to give them some time uh gail shows up at the front of the press uh reliving her glory days there and uh when he calls her name kind of with a bit of a question she reacts like she's being called on to ask a question and he shuts her down with this little leader later not right now <laughs> yeah yeah so oh, she's pissed about that uh and then we hear a woman scream and everybody looks up as the publicist body is flung off the parking structure and onto a news van below and it's chaos um yeah uh everybody's rushing around uh dewey's sending officers up to the top of the garage everybody's looking for ghost face uh, he climbs up. It's interesting how many times he checks for people's pulses in this film, but he does yeah. a lot. He climbs up to the top of the van. Yeah. She's clearly dead. This is where Gail tells him, Hey, you know, maybe you want to work with me because I've got a lead that you don't. And then she bugs out. Um, you know, she really rubs his face in it too. And then we cut to the next day and school is still open somehow. Well, it's Woodsboro, right? So they're probably like, listen, Abbott once. They they shut it down super fast in the original film, though. I don't know. It's I guess they're a little bit more jaded. Um, Honestly, you know what? If you think about it, we're kids from the 80s and 90s, right? So like they would have kept school open. Like, hey, you best friend got murdered right in front of you. You got to come to school. So, yeah, Yeah. it would be different now, right? It would be 2011 now. They'd be like, no, no, no. We're closing at the slight of someone got a stapler in their finger by accident in Woodsboro. Like, we got to close it down. We don't know. Yeah, these these kids are soft. Um. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Oh, God. But, yeah, it's a little unbelievable that the school is still open at this point. Um, Yeah. Yeah. where are we here? Yeah, so we're just like right after school, I guess, because it's uh, the cinema club. And somehow that very next day, Gail got Sydney to come with her to cinema club. Um, sure. Uh, Charlie thinks the killer should be filming everything if he wants to break out of the mold. Uh, he also makes the point that the only way to survive a modern horror film is to be gay. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I remember I any movie that doing way. that back in the day. <laughs> nope, really don't. Um, Sid realizes that things will culminate in a party, um, Stabathon. Um, the kids don't want to give the Stabathon location to Gail. She's pissed, so she basically storms out. Um, later, Sid and Jill have a moment back at the Roberts house. Uh, Jill kind of wonders aloud about being Sydney. Um, yeah. yeah yeah uh this is where jill heads up to her room because she's basically on lockdown at this point and calls kirby who's at stabathon uh kirby's walking around with all these dorks and she flips off trevor because she's pissed at him for jill and yeah yeah um 
love all the kids cosplaying as yeah. characters from stab uh throughout all of this i missed it but apparently there's like a garage door with uh tatum's corpse hanging out of it somewhere in this yeah uh, so like if you see that dewey and that gale walking around like mm-hmm. when they do that pan scene it's like right in the back okay right in the back and then there's someone like later I, or earlier there's like someone as casey becker so she has her guts hanging out like she's hung up all fucked gotcha. up too Oh yeah, I mean it's, the, it's not like all right. So like, we make yeah. fun of the Titanic now, right? Right. And a lot of people died, and that's fucked up. But we make fun of it. Yeah, like mostly good, we make like, fun of the movie. 80, um, <laughs> yeah, fair. You know, like, but yeah, it's, it's not like, like they're just celebrating weird, the movies. No, they're celebrating shit that happened in their town like 15 years ago. Yeah, if this is um, like Montana, and they were having a stabathon. Like that shit makes sense. But this is the actual city that this shit went down in. And yeah. they're like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, the sheriff's sister is right there. You can see her body. Right, right. It's it's more than a little fucked up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah uh the 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 dorks uh well first uh gail uh she's planting webcams all over this place and she's in a scream mask to conceal her identity because you know she figures uh if they know that she's there they may just call things off or whatever uh, the rate she, up is like yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I, I like her get up with the leather jack leather jacket and the uh the scream mask. It's good. Um so yeah, Charlie and Robbie, they start things off. Um uh you know, just uh kind of given the, the rules of the drinking game for stab, uh, and they fire off the first film. Um and Gail hops into her car to observe her feeds, but she finds them winking out one by one. And in the final one, she even sees Ghostface looking into the camera. Um, she calls Dewey to let her know where she's at and the ghost face is there and he tears off after her. Um, when he gets there, he finds her car and he observes her feeds as she's walking around kind of working to fix them. Uh, as she grabs one, she notices something off in the background and it's another webcam, but it's not one of hers. Uh, and this is where Dewey can see Ghostface coming up behind her because she's holding her camera, her own camera, uh, facing behind her. Uh, and she manages to duck out of his attack and they um, chase each other around the hay bales uh, as Dewey charges into the party. Um, Ghostface ends up stabbing uh, Gail in the shoulder and Dewey fires off a few rounds. He's still an awful shot. Um, God, yeah, he's so bad at it. Yeah, it's not good. Um, and uh, Ghostface runs away. Uh, Gail tells him about the webcam she found in the hayloft. You know, this time he's making the movie, she says, before passing out or whatever. Um, and then we're back to the Roberts house and Perkins and Haas uh, just kind of lamenting their situation. Um, Sid's making some tea and she hears the wind chimes going nuts outside. So she steps out on the back porch to check it out. Uh, Haas goes off on his perimeter check and, uh, he sees an open window and tries to check in with Perkins, but he doesn't hear anything. Um, he heads back to the par and nah, Perkins is just pulling a fast one on him and, uh, kind of scares him. He was just pretending to be dead. Um, 
That only lasts for so long because uh, Haas gets stabbed into the back, and as soon as he falls away, the knife comes again into his forehead. My favorite kill. I love it. So earlier in the film, they're talking about how cops don't do so well in movies uh, like these, you know, unless you're Bruce Willis. And, you know, kind of the rules for cops in the movies, how if you're about to retire or if you have a baby on the way or if your partner's significantly more good looking than you, uh, you're you're just you're you're going to die. So as Perkins is dying with his dying breath, he says, fuck you, Bruce Willis and collapses. Love it. Love it. That's also the second time as a cop, Anthony Anderson dies. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he was he in Cop Out or was it uh, Adrian Brody? I can't. Adrian remember. Brody's in Cop Out. Anthony okay. Anderson's in The Departed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I love yes. that too. And like his the like delirious. It was so funny because at the time I was like, "That's so crazy." There's no way that like that can happen. And then I read a whole thing that like Wes Craven watched a documentary where that happened to someone. Like yeah. they got stabbed and, and they lived for like quite a bit after oh, yeah damn people can survive with all sorts of weird head injuries it's um yeah it, shockingly yeah it's one of those weird but true things but That's uh insane yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just love him going out with fuck you bruce willis though it's it's so awesome. great um so Meanwhile, Sid doesn't hear any of this. Um, I think maybe she had already stepped back inside. There, there's a lot of things that happen in these films where I feel like people were well within earshot and they should have been able to hear things going on. Mm-hmm. I, we're just going to say that she took the wind chimes down and she was back in the house. Um, and then she hears the wind chimes again. So she's like, what the fuck? And she goes to step outside and no, it's just her aunt Kate. She's like the wind chimes were down. I'm just, I'm putting them back up again. So apparently she got back from the grocery store. Yeah, Yeah, she is. Um, I I found it weird. Uh, She had the groceries in paper bags with plastic bags around them. I feel like you usually get one or the other, but not both. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Um, Whatever, just nitpicking. Um, the phone rings as Sid is unpacking the groceries because uh, mom had left to go get that last bag. Again, again, uh, a really cool possible red herring here. Yeah, it could be, it could be uh, Aunt Kate as the killer. Um, but um, yeah, it's Ghostface, of course. Anytime the phone rings in these movies, it's fucking Ghostface. Um, and you know, he asks her, you know, basically, at what point of being a sur- what's the point of being a survivor if everyone around you is dead? Um, so Sid hangs up on his ass and runs upstairs to find that Jill is gone. And there's a chat window open on her computer that tells us that she was talking with Kirby about going over to her place. So she comes back downstairs to find her aunt and they decide to go after her themselves because she didn't see the cops outside and she can't get a hold of her daughter because it's just going to voicemail. Um, and this is where Ghostface attacks. Um, and they see the reflection of the mask in the wind chime, which was kind of corny. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so they slam that door shut and they run for the front door, but Ghostface is out there and, um, she tells her aunt to brace the door. And of course the aunt does this with her back to the mail slot where oh, she ends up getting a knife in the back. And, 
Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's um, a great reveal too, because she's like, "Come on, let's go." And she's like, "Yeah, not, like, not moving, fate, really." Like, yeah. Hey, wait, uh, what's wrong? We get a little tell Jill I'm so sorry before she dies, and uh, as Sid runs out the back, she runs into Hicks who was trying to look around for Perkins and Haas, but couldn't find them. Uh, you know, Sid lets her know what happened. She runs inside, checks Kate's vitals, goes to call it in. She turns around, Sid's gone. Uh, she grabbed uh, Kate's caddy, and she's uh, tearing off after Jill. Um, doing Gail are at the hospital, uh, and Gail basically gives him just a quick catch that motherfucker. And so he tears off all charged up and ready to go. And then we're at the after slash anti-party at Kirby's. Um, and they're looking at her film collection. This girl likes her jalos, and I appreciate yeah. that. Suspiria. Don't look but... now. Yeah. Yeah. I God, I wish that criterion of don't look now wasn't out of print. Uh, because I would buy that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, there's some Gross reasons why some people like that film, but it's a good ass shallow. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, they want to watch Stab because they don't want to be denied their Stabathon. Meanwhile, uh, Robbie is kind of freaking out because of them filming so much stuff and it being revealed that some stuff was related to webcams and how they're probably going to get blamed for some shit. Uh, at the very least, they're going to get their stuff shut down. So he's drinking like crazy. Um, Trevor shows up saying he got a text from Jill inviting him there. Kirby is extra mad. Um, Jill goes to find her phone to prove that she didn't text him. And Trevor storms off after her. Um, we get Hicks calling Dewey to fill him in on Sid fleeing the scene of Kate's murder and how they found Haas and Perkins in their car a couple of blocks away, dead. And back to Kirby's house where Robbie's getting drunk. Um, he's stumbling around and he decides to step outside and kind of giving, um, giving Charlie and Kirby a little bit of alone time there. And he notices and he starts his live stream uh, talking to the audience of probably like two people that. Um, yeah, at this uh, point, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going uh, home at that point. Yep. Uh, and telling them that uh, Charlie's probably going to get lucky. And then he knocks his headset off of his head uh, on a hanging basket. This is where the camera on the headset gets conveniently turned around backwards. Um, Kirby makes a pass at Charlie in the meantime, and Trevor ruins the moment. Um, you know, because he can't find. Yeah, I know. Um, y you feel for them. Um, and you know, he's still looking around for Jill. He can't find her. And you know, we get this great get out of my house from Kirby. It's, it's like, I didn't want you here in the first place. Why the fuck uh -huh. are you here? And she's just like pounding vodka too. Um, but, uh, yes, she tells him to get out of there. Uh, and then we're back to Robbie. He's, um, He's kind of walking around the house, muttering into his live stream, and he finally realizes, checking the stream, that the camera's on backwards. Uh, he straightens it all out, goes to uh, check the stream again, and opens the door at the same time. And it's the perfect shot of him with his phone up to check the stream, seeing the image from his camera of Ghostface standing there and him dropping his phone with Ghostface right there right. because... So yeah. good. It's 
all, all the lovely metal layers of this film. Um, but uh, yes, it's Ghostface, and Robbie gets stabbed like crazy, and uh, he's on the ground, kind of pleading for his life. And there's rules. Okay, okay. I mean, if, if it helps. I love Ghostface's face. Like, what the fuck? Uh huh. And this is where this kid absolutely deserves to die. Yep. <laughs> so Ghostface, uh, Ghostface uh, delivers a uh, finishing blow there. And uh, not sure where everyone is. Kirby goes to investigate and she finds Jill coming down the stairs. They're like, what is everyone? And she's like, where's Trevor? Well, he went up there to look for you. He's not up there. What do you mean he's not up there? Where the fuck um, did he go? Yeah. And this is where they open up the door and Sydney's right there. They all turn around and there's Robbie with his final breath, uh, collapsing on the front porch. She's saying run, uh, and Ghostface is right behind them. Um, Sid and Jill run up the stairs. Kirby goes the other way. Um, Sid gets this great kick in on Ghostface and, you know, throwing him down the stairs as they go up. Um, and they barricade themselves inside Kirby's room. Uh, let's see here. Jill uh, gives up her phone to Sid. Sid tells her to get under the bed. Um, when Ghostface finally breaks through, she's out on the balcony yelling down to the ground, uh, telling Jill to get away and get help. Nice fake out, maybe. Um, and this is where Ghostface kind of slowly stalks her along the roof line. Not super fast. They're being careful. Maybe it's a little slippery. I don't know. But yeah, she tries calling Dewey while she's looking for another way in. Meanwhile, Ghostface is circled around and he pops out and attacks her. And uh, she's hanging on the gutters and uh, eventually drops down to the ground. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. She gets up. Luckily, not injured. <laughs> Yeah, thank God. Yeah, because they talk about how there are a couple of stories up. Um, it really wasn't all that bad, was it? Um, so yes, she runs off, uh, comes around to the front door again, and uh, finds Kirby. Uh, they, you know, Kirby talks about how the landline's dead and the router's smashed. Uh, so they go and hide in the basement. Uh, the basement has a walkout into the backyard and there's Charlie banging on the glass door with his bloody hands. And he says, it's Robbie's. He just found him. And, uh, it's like, if you don't trust him, don't let him in. And so Kirby makes the hard choice of keeping him outside. Ghostface pops up behind and attacks, uh, smacking his head into the door and dropping him. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, um, Dewey's driving like a bat out of hell through downtown Northville. Uh, and then we cut back to the house and the lights flip on outside and there's Charlie duct taped to a chair. a la scream 96. Um, fun little homages throughout this yeah. film. It's good. Um, Ghostface calls and he wants to play horror trivia with Kirby. Uh, he's nowhere to be seen. All we can see is uh, Charlie uh, strapped to the chair. Uh, Sid tells him to basically, you know, keep him busy while she goes to try to find Jill. Um, and, you know, Ghostface asks some questions about different killers' weapons in different movies, and then finally starts asking a question about horror remakes. And this is where Kirby launches into that rant of like horror remakes from the past, you know, 10 years that's just perfection. 
Yeah, it's like 15 movies, and she does it not as even like anger, and she's like emoting like pure mm-hmm. sadness and like mania, and it's she's exquisite. killing the scene. Like it's such a great scene. Oh yep. God, the... Hayden Panther kills it, man. Oh yeah. Uh, the voice goes silent and Kirby thinks, okay, I've won. I've won. Especially she sees this reaction on Charlie's face. Like, you know, you know what's going on or whatever, or maybe he's in the clear or something. So she steps outside. Um, and, uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, she goes outside to free Charlie. Uh, and when he gets free, he says, Kirby, this is making a move. And he stabs her in the gut, uh, basically bitching about how, you know, he liked her for four years and this is how it ends up. Uh, just a fucking little weirdo. Um, what a little bitch, man. Yeah. I remember watching that and I jumped. I was like, no, not Kirby. Yep. Yeah, so he stabs her again and drops her to the ground, but we never see her die. And yes, <laughs> uh, that, that, that'll, that'll come back. Um, so yes, um, then we cut right to inside where Charlie pops up behind Sydney and gets a knife around her throat. Uh, she manages to break free, however, and uh she tries to flee but ghostface steps out from around the corner and stabs her in the gut and as sid looks on in shock ghostface pulls off the mask to reveal jill yeah what i was shocked i honestly yeah first time i saw it absolutely yes because these are such tiny spindly people that are doing all this killing Yeah. yeah Sure. What about that suit, man? Gives you like super strength, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, it's Jill, and it is revealed that they've been filming all their kills, and they plan plan on uh, framing Trevor, uh, who is conveniently duct taped in the closet, just like Sid's dad was in the first film, and. You know, she's griping that, you know, her boyfriend fucked her and didn't even make her famous. Um, <laughs> and this is where she shoots Trevor in the crotch. And then oh as he's, oh yeah. And then as he's begging for his life, she just shoots him in the forehead. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's that. Um, and she's just kind of spilling the beans on the whole plan here. She tells Sid her plan of uh, gaining fame from being the new survivor. And, uh, you know, Charlie's her accomplice and all this. And, uh, he makes it sound like, you know, he's getting the girl and everything and he's pumping himself up to, for, uh, Jill to stab him in the shoulder, uh, you know, just so they can both get some wounds, just like, uh, Billy and Stu were planning on doing way. I love, I love, he does though mention Randy. I don't know if it was like a town secret or anything, but he's like, he's like this time Randy gets the girl. Right. Yeah, because right. like, we already know that Randy had this unquieted love for, like, mm-hmm. Sydney. Yep, yep. Uh, but instead of stabbing him in the shoulder, she gives him a good jab in the uh, heart and tells him that she's going to be a soul survivor. Uh, and this is where the real plan is revealed, that she's going to frame him as Trevor's accomplice. Um and as Sydney's, you know, like, why, why, why all your friends? And she's like, I don't need friends. I need fans. And that awesome line of sick is the new sane. Um, man. 
she's just going on this rant. That's just an awful commentary on, you know, 2010s fame. Um, and yeah, Jill stabs her in the gut again. And after she drops to the ground, we get a really long scene of Jill, uh, basically staging the scene for the cops. She's getting rid of all the duct tape and, uh, planning weapons here and there. She's using Trevor's hands to, you know, tear at her face and rip out her hair. And, uh, she stabs herself in the shoulder by, you know, propping it up against the wall and run herself into it. Ooh, that does not feel good. She, she has to kick a trash can from the pain. That's how you know it hurts. Um, but yeah, she's doing all this prep work, even going so far as to throw herself through a glass coffee table. That, um, that whole scene is utterly insane. And like it, like the whole, the whole motive behind her wanting to get this fame and everything was like really cool twist and really good commentary for like the time. And, and even now, Mm-hmm. But then her following through so thoroughly to be like, no, I got scratched in the face. They pulled my hair. I got run through this glass. Oh, I got stabbed. And like to run through the gauntlet of doing it to herself. Like, Jesus Christ. Oh, she's That's committed. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't know how you get away with like all the duct tape and just, I, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's all sorts of physical evidence. That's just yeah. not going to line up the way she wants it to line up. But um but uh yeah yeah she finally uh as you hear sirens approaching she settles down on the floor next to sydney uh waiting for her rescue um yeah yeah that's pretty awful uh and then we cut to her getting her moment as she's wheeled into the hospital with the press just all over her gurney no cops the proper well i guess they have they're running they're running ragged tonight. Yeah. Yeah. There's only about two left. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. She's getting wheeled in while the press corps just, yeah, she, she's as happy as she possibly could be, but she still has to play her role. Uh, there was that comment about, uh, how she told so many lies that day. She started believing some of them. Um, she's still gotta, she's gotta make this work. Um, and, uh, yes, uh, Dewey's in her room with her, um, you know, as she's fake crying about the situation, um, you know, she's, uh, telling him about how she'd love to work with Gail, you know, what with her matching wounds and all, she thinks it would be perfect. Um, and this is where Dewey drops the bomb that, uh, Sid might just make it it's touch and go. She just got out of surgery. But, uh, Jill suddenly is very concerned and she wants to, uh, you know, go and check on her. And he's like, she's not even awake yet. You just need to rest up. Um, and as soon as he leaves the room, her eyes snap open and she's sitting up and pulling everything off of her. Cause she's got to finish this thing. We got one last witness to take care of. Um, and, uh, Dewey goes to see Gail and they talk and, uh, you know, he brings up the shoulder wound comment that Jill had made and Gail wonders how she would have known about that. Dewey finally puts two and two together and he goes running out of there. Um, and we get to Sid kind of waking up and Jill just like immediately hopping on top of her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's 
Ooh, this is a violent fight too, because uh, yeah, Sid starts jabbing her with her thumb in her eye, and uh, they roll off the bed. And you got Jill uh, like punching her in her wound, stab wounds in her gut. Um, yeah, yeah she even comments, she's like, "How this stitches?" Like Jesus, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Jill hears Dewey coming. So she gets up and she goes to hide in the closet, looks up, finds this uh, bedpan and Dewey walks into the room, goes to check on Sid and Jill pops out behind him and smacks him in the head six times with this bedpan. That poor man. Like, yes, this was like, might be the most embarrassing. Like, yeah, way he gets his ass beat out of all four movies like yeah he basically gets Vince McMahon he gets Vince McMahon like Stone Cold Steve Austin beating the shit out of him in the hospital room this is to make up for the lack of people getting hit in the head that was so prevalent in Scream 3 Um, because that happens over and over and over in Scream 3 and not so much in this film so yeah six strikes from a bedpan Um, (laughs) so he goes down of course, um, Jill takes his gun and she stands over Sid, um, got, uh, Gail and Hicks entering the room. Jill's got the upper hand, uh, Hicks kind of, you know, takes him down behind a bed there as they leap and are fired upon there. And, um, she forces Hicks to give up her weapon and gets her to stand up and just Jill just shoots her anyways. And then, you know, forces Gail to stand up, you know, otherwise, you know, ostensibly she's going to shoot Dewey, who's dead to the world at this point on the ground. Um, and meanwhile, Sid's making some plans. She's crawling Let's around in the background. Too, yeah. Is uh, quiet as she can through all the broken glass and everything. But you see her charging up the defibrillator. Um, and. Uh, just before Jill shoots her, Gail has one last thing she'd like to say. And Jill's like, Oh, please. Is that it? And Gail's like, no, clear, clear. What the fuck? And Sid just pops up behind her clear bitch. (laughs) So fucking good. Oh yes. Oh yeah. So Jill's down. Um, and Sid makes this great line about for uh, that you know you forgot the first reel of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original. Yeah, I I literally when I watched that scene, I literally it's one of the few times like watching a heart. But it's like I think a few times I jumped up out of my seat in just pure astonishment and joy. Like that line is so fucking good. Yeah. It's so good. It still hits to this day. Like I've watched it like I said four or five times. Like it hits still as hard as to say uh, the only other experience i've had with that is like halloween 2018 okay when when the daughter is like playing coy and then you know spoilers but she's like gotcha i fucking mm-hmm. jumped out of my seat judy greer yeah yeah, yeah there's oh, some great stand-up and cheer moments in that movie too for sure Hell yeah man. um but yeah yeah uh we get the awesome line uh and as they're checking on dewey Jill wakes up and grabs this huge shard of shard of glass and she's coming after the trio, but Sid hears her coming and she just turns around with the gun and shoots her cousin in the cousin in the chest. Uh, and we get Hicks popping up with nice one. 
And Gail with this awesome Hicks, you're alive. <laughs> I love it. I don't know if she's like shocked or angry. Like, damn. I know. I think there's a little bit of both there. I, <laughs> like, I can't but, get rid of her. No, no, you're never getting rid of this one. And Hicks pops open her, uh, uh, her shirt to reveal a bulletproof vest. And we get the wear the vest, save your chest. And then she passes that out. <laughs> and so Dewey calls everything in and, uh, you know, Sid, uh, curls up next to her dying cousin and lets her know that she feels a whole lot better. Uh, meanwhile, outside the hospital, we get the press getting it all wrong, telling their story about this sole survival survivor, uh, Jill Roberts. And, um, yeah, yeah. We cut to credits. There we go. She gets her fame, but at what cost? Yeah. <laughs> <Her death>. yeah. <laughs> she will yeah. live in infamy. Oh my God. Can you imagine the retractions that week in the news? <laughs> like so yeah, we got it wrong. Like all of us got it wrong. Not just not just channel ten. Every channel got it wrong. Okay. Like we we mm-hmm. jumped the gun. We all she was a survivor. This looks bad on us, but like all of us look bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not just not just whatever channel we're on right now like just every channel looks bad newspapers you know everyone just looks bad <laughs> apparently she was a psycho yeah yeah um shit scream for uh you know we don't get any after credits thing we don't get the um you know title card with ghost face pops but we do get the um um you know the uh, actors names with their character photos behind them which are you know love that iconic to the series um and it's, it's a very old school movie thing too and i like mm-hmm. that that's fun um you know this is the only scream film not to use red right hand oh yeah yeah i, I didn't notice that. I, i'm a little sad about that um i like me some nick cave um yeah it's thankfully they bring it back in the next one i'm sure we'll get it again in scream six but yeah. uh yeah, the musical choices in this one not quite as memorable as some of the other films, but uh, the only thing that stuck out to me is um, I think the second time they go to the high school, mm-hmm. um, the score from the first movie plays. Okay, and I, 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 it was just this viewing that I noticed. That. I was like, oh damn, like it's actually playing again. Like just kind of give you like uh, oh, it's kind of happening again. Like oh my god, like like a, a familiar to it. Like I was like, damn, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Like. I thought that was interesting, but that that's the only like musical note that like popped for me. Yeah. And, um, I, I feel like they tried to bring back the broken arrow Dewey's theme, uh, thing, which, uh, <laughs> that's just such a funny story, but, uh, but yeah, it's like slightly off so they don't have to credit, um, exactly. the Hans Zimmer score. Um, although I'm pretty sure they bring it back in, uh, scream five. Um, they did, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, no, the, the the music's good. It's just uh, I feel like the the soundtrack itself just maybe not as memorable. And I mean, it all sounds like music from early uh, 2010s, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, just nothing I really remember. Um, but yeah, yeah, this movie, like like I said earlier, this movie fucks. Um, the the characters, you know, that you actually care about in this film, you really fucking care about. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you have Trevor, who like again, just milquetoast, doesn't no, yeah. he's a red herring just to be a red herring, and that's literally it. So he's whatever. But like Kirby is such a standout, 
Jill is starting to stand out, and then mm-hmm. her being revealed as the killer is it's, it's so insane. And then having Charlie and Robbie, like they they add like a good like like aspect to it. And I do love that that Jill played Charlie like a fiddle, yeah. like an absolute fiddle. And she probably I wouldn't even be surprised if she used that line. Like you could be the Randy to my stew or like to my like Sydney, you know, like because mm-hmm. like it's again the exposure to the stab movies. I guess they would know. That like he probably had a thing for her, yep. And yep. so like he's probably like, oh my god, I'm such a fan of these movies. Oh my god, you know I can't get Kirby. Fuck this, then I'll get I'll get with Jill. Like she understands me. She and she's like, no, dude, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you at the first chance I get. And he dies, like so, like, like he dies like a bitch, and it's so perfect. Like he whines <laughs> the whole way he dies, and it's it's different than like Stu. You know, like when Sue gets stabbed and he's like, I'm losing a lot of blood here. Everything's getting woozy. Like, that's perfect. Like, he seems like a kid. Like, he's like, I'm hurt. His shit hurts. Well, I I, I actually appreciate that in the first four films, it's always a pair of killers where one killer was really planning on setting up the other person to ultimately die because it's revealed in Scream 3 that, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Roman, uh, uh, Sydney's half brother, uh, was prompting, uh, Billy to get an accomplice. So you've got somebody, you know, if things go sideways, you can blame it on him. And then you get, um, uh, Billy's mother, uh, getting a psychopath from the internet to be her second, but Mm -hmm. ultimately planning on doing him into, and then in scream three, it ended up on the cutting room floor. And this is something I wish I researched before I recorded the episode with Mark last week. But uh, ultimately, the Angelina character was set up as the second killer. And it comes through enough that Mark and I started speculating about it. And boy, we were spot on. I had just never read anything about it. Um, I remember watching it. I was like, that sense was off with her. Yeah. It's really off. And then just for her to die, just like, okay, yeah, sure. No problem. Yep. I just kept going with it. But I was like. And I read that. I was like, oh, my God, that would have been so interesting to see her as like the accomplice. And it all makes sense because she was kind of Weinsteined as well um, True, by yeah, uh, yeah. the Milton character. Um, you know, that was her whole thing about, you know, finally getting that role and then not wanting to die with uh, what does she say? Second rate celebrities like them. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, in the next movie, you know, future spoilers and everything. But uh, I, I think it's. Um, the the two killers ultimately i don't think they had plans of doing one another in or anything oh they seem on par yeah they see yeah they really do actual partners yeah but uh yeah just kind of curious how this has played out over the years yeah it is interesting yeah hey roman probably got that from his like years of film study right and stuff right he's like oh there should be another person like and Corks and Billy to that be like, yeah, hey, you don't, you don't get somebody else. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I don't know if I have anything much more about this film. Again, it's, I, I feel bad that I just didn't care for it as much as I do now in that first viewing. I feel like I was just missing something. I had had to have been off or something when I was watching this. That's how I felt about Scream 3. For the longest time, I I had this funny story with with Scream Three. I watched Scream Two when uh it, whatever it premiered on Showtime for the first time. So I was like a kid, 
and I was watching it. And I remember like the movie got done. It was like that Saturday premiere or whatever. And I was like, all right, I looked at my parents. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bed. And they're like, all right, cool. Good night. And, you know, I, I used the bathroom and lay down in bed. And I was just thinking like my head was spinning. I'm like, damn, that was a good movie. That was fun. I was like, oh, if they do another one. And I literally out loud in my head, I was like, I was like, if they do another one, maybe she has like a brother or something. And I was like, okay. And then whatever reason, like I did not see Scream 3 till 2005. Okay. So like I had no spoilers whatsoever for Scream 3. I just happened to miss it like for five years after it came out. And I finally sat down and watched five and Roman gets revealed as a killer in his attentions. And I jumped out. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And that like soured knew it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, that soured me so bad for the longest time. And then I finally came around, I think before five came out and I was like, you know, let me rewatch them again. I was like, I found a new appreciation to it. Similar to like how you're feeling before. I did not like three the first time because I was like a little kid shouldn't think of what a what the killer should be and that should be what is written. <laughs> Maybe that's Ethan Kruger's problem, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um. To be fair, he's had some hits. He's had some misses. Uh, true, he true. he did the uh, screenplay for The Ring, the American remake, which is a good ass remake. But he he also wrote multiple Transformers films. That's um, true. But then he went ahead and wrote Top Gun Maverick. So, you know, there's, you know, this wild up and down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, hopefully the next one is another good one, but uh, you never know. Um, It's, um, you know, the the kind of thing where these future Scream films, you know, were running out of people that were originally involved. You know, you got Kevin Williamson. Um, You certainly don't want Weinstein involvement any longer. even by association, um, all you really got left, uh, you know, with, uh, the death of one major character is just, uh, you know, a hand, just really two characters you can pull from other than the more modern cast. So, um, I'm very happy to see things going forward with radio silence and, uh, yeah, well, we're, we're about two weeks away from, uh, scream six. So crazy. It's crazy to think about that. I know it's uh boy they they move that one fast. Uh, that's the only thing that worries me about it. How quickly Similar. that one came together, but uh, everything looks good so far. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping, and you know, and then our girl Kirby's back. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> hey, it does seem like she's an NYPD officer. I did I did pause there. Oh like, yeah, there's like a social media thing where like. Have a bunch of different characters and they're like cleaning off the knife like that they're doing the similar ghost facing it's like a, it's like every character in the film and it's like a gift thing and i i paused it i was like i was trying to see if i could see who was who and i paused it on kirby and she has a she has a badge on her hip okay so i was like oh okay. shit that makes sense then why she's in new york yeah and i know um patrick dempsey is supposed to play a cop in this one so maybe they're partners oh, yeah. yeah man i would love to see that him could, back that could be cool um yeah well we don't have too much longer to go um carlos any final thoughts about scream 4 no i think it was a it's a really good movie a really good meta commentary similar to the other three previous and you know one after um i think it's a a bittersweet way for west to end his career his film career i think it works out really well i think it's a good swan song um it's funny though it's it's like one of the movies that like are 
you know, it's the lowest grossing screen movie. It's like, I think the lowest rated too for a lot of people. Um, but I think like you and many people, I think they found a new life with it afterwards that it finally like kind of like synced up. And I think that's a perfect way for his career to like kind of end. Like it's like, hey, a lot of people are not going to understand this now. It's like almost like the Marty McFly thing. He's like, but your kids are going to get it. You know, like your kids are going to love this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one thing I forgot to ask you that I totally forgot to ask Mark last week. Uh, what's your ranking? Ooh. Um, so it would have to be one. Um, I'm really high on five. I don't know if that's because like the more recent bias or like it's kind of like, oh, my God, it's like West, but with radio silence. Um, I think it'd be one, five, two, four, three. Okay, so yeah. four actually ranks relatively low for you. Um, yeah, and in, in my head too, it's funny because like it, it's not even like a a negative thing. Like it's just like in my head, I'm like, um, did I say two? You know what? No, I would put four like, above two. I do like two a lot. Um, I I think I, I think, I think Timothy Olyphant should have got more screen time, but I'm just a huge Timothy yeah. Olyphant fan, and I do love the red herring of like Jerry O'Connell. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, good. I think it would be so. Yeah, one, five, four, two, three in that order. Yeah, I think for me, it's one at the top. Yeah, I've, I've said it ad nauseum, but uh, you know, I am the original target demo. I was a senior in high school when that movie came out. Um, but uh, yeah, number one for sure, as number one, uh, number four. For my second, with five possibly being tied with that, if not being the third, and then three and two. Um, three's camp levels put it above two for me. Um, two's got some stuff that I don't think holds up super well looking back with, uh, you know, 2023 lens. Um, but uh, that said, in this most recent rewatch, I, I found a little bit better appreciation for two. So. yeah that's how i was with three yeah I, I enjoyed the camp more in three like it kind yeah. of embraced like this is what scream is it is not not fully camp but like there is a humor to it that like i think i i didn't realize i was more into the scares as a kid and now i got older i'm like no no there's there's some jokes in here it's really funny oh yeah it's uh big time fun for sure well carlos if you'd like where can people find you yeah, absolutely. So I am your doctor recommended dose of nerdiness, Carlos Rodriguez, aka your nerd today. You can find me over at youtube.com slash nerd today, uh, where I have a bunch of different things. I have like reacts, I have the nerd today podcast video form, uh, the audio form is on anchor.fm slash nerd today. And then you can find my live streaming, like where I'm doing gameplay or anything like that, over at twitch.tv slash nerd today. Oh, and then awesome. we also have a podcast coming out soon. With someone who was on the podcast previous, uh, uh, Murders Were Americans, we have Frank, me, and then Har from Pip are doing a podcast starting hopefully soon. As long as I get the assets, you've seen me make jokes online. Uh, Chaos Bringers, which is a Final Fantasy uh, book club podcast where we're going to be going right. games leading up to 16 and talk about them. Nice. It's my first announcement of it anywhere. So this, you get the exclusive. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Well, well, we'll be sure to pimp that too. When it comes along, that sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I haven't played nearly enough of those games, but uh, you know, the ones that I played, it's good times. Yeah. Um, all right. 
Well, this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode, but until next time, stay spoopy, everyone.